0: Welcome to Boots Off, Log On, a podcast where we talk all things farm business, a show about the business of farming, bringing you insights and wisdom from the leaders in farm business, helping you minimise risk and maximise return on all your hard work. I'm David, and I'll be your host for the show. Today we have a special guest, my dad, um, Kent Edgerton Warburton, who is the original inventor of and writer of AgriMaster, one of Australia's most popular and oldest farm management applications. Dad was a fifth-generation wool grower from Cogent up in Western Australia, in the southwest. For those people not from WA, and who, at the age in 1981, at the age of 39, he decided to write his own farm management software and. 40 years later, Agrimaster is still one of the most popular farm management software products in Australia. And just this week, Kent has been awarded an OAM medal in the Queen's Birthday Honours list for to read it out for services worthy of recognition in agricultural technology industry um, for his pioneering in what is now regarded as the ag tech industry. Welcome to the podcast, Dad. Thank you, David. So and congratulations for your very well deserved award. And if I go back on looking at all the social media in the last week, you know, all the comment really like a, they're saying things like a very well deserved honor for such a humble man. And I know it has to pump your tires a little bit, but really how does how does it make you feel that after I know you're in your 80th year this year, so the big 8-0 the big this year, and after 40 years from when you first embarked on this to be recognised in this way in a really public and national way.
1: Well, it's very flattering to start with. I didn't, I didn't quite believe it when I first got the first notice. But yeah, it's really flattering, and I eventually got used to the idea and accepted the fact that uh, we had changed agriculture to some extent, in, especially in Western Australia and um well yes i was just very happy to accept it (laughs) yeah i think um i think didn't you think it was a scam the first time you got the email i didn't (laughs) even It said official across the top in black letters and had a button push here at the bottom. If uh, I've only seen anything more scam like that, it took three days and a call to Canberra before I found out. We have to
0: talk to Canberra and make sure their emails don't look like um,
1: scamming, phishing emails. I I told Canberra that it it looked like a scam email. Yeah,
0: now most people, especially now, know you as the writer and inventor of Agrimaster and an early ag tech pioneer before ag tech was even a word I mean when you were writing agromasters, there's no such thing as ag tech you know it was just agriculture and software and the two didn't really meet in any way until you know people like yourself but two-thirds of your life you were actually a wool grower a fifth generation wool grower like I said in my introduction so uh, before we get into the software story how did you get into agriculture I mean You're
1: a farmer for most of your career. Well, I was a farmer for almost all of it on the side. But, well, I think I'm fascinated by things I can't understand, and and these new computers definitely fell into that category. I still don't understand them. I went to a seminar at Muirisk Agricultural College on other matters, but they did, did have a segment over a day demonstrating some... An Apple II computer and a printers, and the whole works, with some software from Britain for the dairy farmers. This was sort of 19, um, probably 1979, uh, 80, something like that. Ten thousand dollars worth. Uh, we're talking serious money mm. in, the, in these days. So and that was ten
0: thousand dollars like, in 1979, 80. So that was a that s- was a lot of
1: money. <laughs> um, and they'd had, for some reason I've never understood, had uh, an hour session on computer programming. Uh, I was hooked. There you go. And there we go. Everything started from there.
0: Before you got hooked on, on software, you know, you were growing wool. So let's talk about you and Mum were down in Mobrup, clearing land. Can you give us a little bit of that story from when you first got to Mobrup? When did you get there? And how did you end up on a bush block in Mobrup for all,
1: of all places? Well, that was all caused by um, the taxation policies of the federal government, uh, death duties. Um, when I was 14 years old, death duties were a major problem for a farm succession. My father bought in my name 2,600 acres of bush. The idea was to develop it, turn it into a farm, and when he died, we sold that farm to pay the death duties on the home farm. That's how it all started. Every time I was home from school holidays from 14 years until uh, I came back permanently, uh, we were clearing down, stick picking, poison grubbing, rock picking—you name it—all all the nasty jobs. I used to spend holidays down there, living in a caravan, uh, showering under it, a cold water tank. Yeah, and I think a lot of our clients around Australia could probably um,
0: really—you know—that's the story of a lot of the farmers of your generation. That—that's—that's that's the story, yeah. Just a very common
1: story, nothing abnormal
0: about. I remember it. visiting your friends out in the eastern belt and. You know, they'd have things like, they didn't have a shed, but all their tools would be in the back of a car boot somewhere. Or, That's right, exactly. you, you know no, It's nothing
1: unusual about the story. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: But the thing is, so at the end of the day, you are not uncommon to nearly every other farmer, especially in Western Australia and in certain parts of the other states where you had a bush block, you spent most of your life and even most of my early life clearing land, pushing over trees and developing a property. So how did you begin your relationship essentially what would be, seems from the outside looking in, unusual um, technology and software and all those things. So how did that journey start way before you got to Muresk and you learned about software development? Did you have an interest in technology
1: before that point? Well, I probably did. I, I probably bought one of the first hand calcula- electronic hand calculators that was available in, in Australia. I joined up with the University and WA with their farm management service Laboratory, which provided a very similar service to what agrimaster does on their mainframe computer but as far as the farm was concerned it was all handwritten into into um, paperwork I was fascinated by the this massive computer which filled a room big line printers uh, punch cards which fed the data in to me it was all Fascinating stuff to do with the future. I'm not very good at looking past, but I, I'm, I'm a great believer in uh, what can happen in the future. So when was this? About 1967. Well, that well, would have been 1967. We've been uh, Mary and I had been out on my, on the farm as our own business. that's Exactly. That's when we started. 1967. We've been married two years. My father, who was a friend of Dr. Henry Sheppers, suggested that I join up. Uh, with the with the service of royalty that he and Roger Muldoon was starting, which I did and it helped me a great deal with uh, teaching men how to budget how to keep a cash book I was my, we, we were mining our cash flows right from day one of the yeah. start of our, our independent business it's um, and even before that budgeting and and that sort of thing was deeply ingrained in me uh, over the kitchen table at the home farm when they so, this is the
0: thing. So, to you, first of all, your dad recommended you essentially was the Farm Management Service Laboratory with the Farm Economics Unit of Western Australia at the time. So, he must have been involved in that. So, this was n- not sort of new to you, but you, so this concept of, you know, really strong financial management, budgeting, cash flow, you're saying, was already part of your father's lessons was, to you.
1: Dad, a great believer in. Um, using new technology. He was always up there, arranging, helping arrange conferences with CSIRO. Uh, Dr Henry Shappell was one of the speakers at all these conferences because he's very controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he always spoke immediately after lunch. He made sure that no one went to sleep <laughs> uh, at, a, at a conference. And so Dad was a friend of his. They were interested in the same things in the future in, in all the new stuff that was coming out and finding better ways to do everything.
0: So can you remember some of the really things that were like really big ideas at those conferences or things that our, you know Dr. Henry Shepper would have spoken about, but these days would be considered either normal or still controversial today?
1: No, I don't tell you the truth, I don't think I can. Yeah uh, I can remember going to the conferences, uh, even at a fairly young age. I knew Henry Shepard myself. You know I can't remember much about it yeah my, my interest really started uh, with the introduction to of the farm management service laboratory and the computers that came with it
0: so you're like of most young guys on the farm you just wanted to do farm stuff and your dad was doing this other stuff and until you had the responsibility of mining your own cash flow and actually having to make the numbers add up and then you got pretty interested pretty
1: quickly yeah absolutely. <laughs> yes. and uh, it was a great help but budgeting is a discipline that really everyone should learn at school because it's a great foundation to looking after finances for the rest of your life whatever you're doing yeah. and uh, it's it's always something that appealed to me that the control of um, uh, inflows and outflows and, and dealing with all the disasters that happen on the way in farming and and elsewhere and so let's go back so you were you had joined up to the
0: farm management services laboratory at the University of Western Australia, and you were doing a a manual cash book or, or, or receipts. Were you doing a manual cash book? Or you were sending receipts
1: to the computer up there? No, no, we were doing a manual cash book at the beginning of the year. We had a, a budget form, which you filled in. Yep. So similar to the bank ones, the big A3 sheet. It's sort of like that. It was a yeah. it, it was a separate one. the farm management service laboratory developed themselves. Yeah. but Basically identical. And and a cash book. Each month you had these. You filled in pages of your inflows and outflows. Uh, sent it all up to the laboratory by mail. Uh, if someone remembers snail mail, um, <laughs> they would put turn it into punch cards, feed it into the computer, and send back a printed report, which really. These days sounds all like a waste of time and and fairly useless, but it did get through to farmers that they needed to do this. And at the end of the year, a report came out about how you went financially, usually making the suggestion that you'd be better off if you sold the farm and invested the money (laughs) and retired. And this is what the figures showed. The return to farming has never been that great uh, in in short terms. Um, This went on for um, oh. Must be 13 years. Yeah, so it was 67 uh, to what, 80?
0: So when you no, started... No. In
1: 80, when I, when I bought, bought my first computer and, and uh, decided I'd replicate that sort of system for, for my own use. And yes. that's all it ever was going to be.
0: The problem that you were trying to solve by writing Agrimaster essentially for yourself was the same problem that you have been grappling with right from when you first started farming. It was managing
1: cash flow, is that correct? Like, managing cash flow, but doing it on a day-to-day basis yourself instant results no no paperwork you fed everything to feed everything straight to the computer get the same get the same reports basically out the farm management service you provided but you were there day to day keeping an eye on your finance either waiting for a month or something for the for the uh, printouts to come back and and what advantage was that so suddenly you now had instant access
0: to your up-to-date numbers right so i did yes i think
1: uh, i think I, I must have written the. I bought a computer obviously in in early 1980, I started teaching myself how to program. By June 1981 I must have had a usable product Mm -hmm. because we still have the first year's AgriMaster reports, budget reports, monthly cash flow reports. We still have those reports starting every year from July 1981. So essentially the first reports were from memory budget actual comparison reports is that the, the- budget comparison reports was the most important of them because that's the one you put out every month for comparison of what, you, what the, the plan versus the actual mm. make adjustments to the budget whatever is necessary to keep yourself solvent Yeah, so it's interesting. I did a podcast last
0: week with one of the um, plan farm consultants who are also one of your early partners, a consultant called Rob Grimmer. and Rob said one of these most important things to clients is quantify your position all the time. Yes. In other words, and this is what you're saying still, right back in those. So this is the early, this is the most important thing. In other words, keep your cash book up to date compare it against your budget and quantify your position know where you're at all the time and that's Uh,
1: that's exactly what it is uh i still do it today not as often but any any material change in uh, in in the world and and i will go straight back to my master budget and do exactly the same thing 40 years later yeah definitely and so then how did it go from essentially this is you're a sheep farmer
0: who like all farmers had cash you know you have the normal cash chal- the cash flow challenges and funding challenges of every farmer and you've written yourself in applications so how did it leap out of your your farm o- your small little dog box size farm office and, and to the world in general so why do we have 40 years later this this agri product that everyone knows uh, how did it escape well
1: It's a gradual process, I suppose. When you do something like that, and it works, and this this was the first surprising thing, it worked. (laughs) It did exactly what I wanted it to do. It wasn't perfect, but it it did exactly what the Farm Management Service Broderry did, but it did it in real time at home. And that was the important change. Uh, Around about that time, in the Countryman newspaper, a man called Alan Moyer, was speaking about that he was uh, he was a retired farmer and he was speaking about developing his own software for use on the farm. And uh, I said, oh, well, now uh, he might be interested in what I've done to see if this, you know, any use. So I rang Alan, he drove down from Perth to our farm and I showed him what we had. I'm not quite sure when this was, but it, w- it was almost certainly sometime in that 81, 82 years. From that, we decided that uh, he would set up a business to distribute the program and I would continue writing it. And really, we did that and nothing changed for 20 years. We yeah. just kept on doing that for the next 20 years. We got an initial boost. There was the 80 odd members of the Farm Ancient Service Laboratory who completely understood the system. Mm. So they could, if they wished to, buy an agromaster at the very first version and move seamlessly into keeping their own books. And they were, by definition, fairly progressive farmers. Yeah. The old story. And some of them are still using AgriMaster to this day. A- and some of them are still using AgriMaster to this day, yes. Yeah.
0: Let's just explain to everyone some people listening to this may have had really the early computers before IBM compatible computers. But can you just explain your the first computer you owned and uh, the one that you wrote the first AgriMaster on?
1: Right, it was an Osborne 1 computer. It had a five-inch screen, 52 characters across. And I can't remember how many lines, probably about 20 lines. Uh, Two floppy disk drives, that's five and a quarter-inch disk drives, one on each side, and a keyboard. You can put it all together like a sewing machine and carry it to where you wanted to go if you're reasonably fit. It was very reliable. It it lasted. uh, sometime, I, I can't remember when we, when we went on to the next computer. That's all in the mists of time.
0: I think it was an NEC APC3, if I remember,
1: oh, like an XT. No, no, we had something in between that, I think. Well, it might actually an APC3? Possible, yes. XT um, computers? Was yeah, it, yeah. Sound about yeah, it? That sounds about right, yes. Um, but this first one, yes, 52 characters. After that, the next computer monitor had a 40-character screen, I think. I can't remember again how many lines, but a very different proposition. And it was on that that I wrote, Anchor two. Okay. Yeah. And that would have been, um, I can't remember the date on that, but um, certainly. uh, 83, 84? Yeah, probably. It would have to be like that, yes. Everything changed. Um, Yes, it would have had to be 83, 84, because probably every three to four years. Uh, we started from scratch, and this is the thing to remember with all the different versions of Admaster, except the, except in the Windows version, that we did start from scratch. Every line of code was written from scratch. We added more features to the program, and you couldn't transfer the data from one Program to yeah, I mix. think the only one I
0: can remember transferring the data from Agrimaster 3 to 4 could we upgrade
1: Yes, the data when we went to Windows, we did transfer the data from Agrimaster 3.
0: Yeah. So Agrimaster 3 was an incredibly popular product, so this is your third product?
1: Agrimaster 3 is still my favourite version of Agrimaster. It, it did everything you required it to do. It lost a lot of its clunkiness. It was the perfect balance between simplicity and usefulness.
0: And I think it, says it took a, a long, long time to get clients on master Three and master Four too. I
1: think. Well, there would have been two reasons. One, they loved master Three, of yeah. course, uh, and two, um, the, it was a big jump to the graphical interfaces, mouse. Don't you remember when there's no mice, mouse? Oh, yeah. <laughs> mouse, and um, and and Windows interface? Yes, it's uh, it's a very big jump. Yes, and
0: um, was master Three the one that you won the Australian Design
1: Award? I think it would have been. Yes, remember? Yeah. Yes. So um Oh no, sorry, no, uh quite incorrect on that. I'm fairly sure it was AgriMaster two I got the design award for. Okay. AgriMaster three won the the software competition run by the Australian in, at the Sydney Royal Show. Oh that's
0: right. Yeah. So the thing about that, so there was an agricultural software competition in the nineteen eighties and everyone thinks is a new thing, but at the time like there's a lot of farmers around Australia sitting by themselves on tractors or drenching sheep by themselves in yards and doing a lot of thinking. Um, so you weren't unusual at the time. It seems like so. Oh, no. seems like a big at the time, but you say so. Was there a lot of farmer software developers?
1: Absolutely. I can't remember them all now. Uh, I would imagine my early competition would have numbered at least half a dozen, even in Western Australia alone, uh, and a lot more in the eastern states. So. You're quite right. A lot of hobbyists. This was in those days, in the 80s and 90s, a hobbyist business. Um, I don't know if anyone made any money out of it at that stage. It was um, everyone had to go. Uh, Some failed by the wayside. Others persisted, and and it was it was persistence in this game that, like in any game, that uh, takes the cake. And I think we also had the. The simplicity, we were written entirely from a farmer's point of view. Agrimash has always been driven by farmers, not by accountants or consultants or banks. Yes, we catered for those other professions, but as farmers, it drives us in terms of terminology and how it gets used and what it does. And I think this was probably our biggest, biggest um, advantage because we didn't use terminology that accountants used or anybody else we used our own terminology we made it up as we went along it was always the biggest problem um, dealing with other professions but I think this was our strength was that we wrote it purely I wrote it purely for my own use if other people enjoyed everyone else in farming in those days family farms had my level of education they had my they were a family farm, they had the same size businesses. So uh, I think that was our advantage. And
0: I think were we were interviewing Bob Hall earlier last year, and Bob was one of the, uh, along with people like Peter Falkner and John Abbey and um, David Neve and John Stover, a lot of these very early adopters. And Bob said, he go and, and he was asked, why did you choose Agrimaster for all of your clients? So I think Bob put like 40 clients on Agrimaster at once. All at
1: once, yes. And
0: did, all at once. And, and he said because AgriMaster talked farmer and everybody else spoke accountant or bank. Yes,
1: and that and and I hope that's still what we do. We cater for everything else, but we still do it. Talking farm by using the terminology. I mean, the world has changed. Farmers are better educated. Their sons have all been to university, and, and to a large extent, they probably understand the other terms of accounting and the banks. And many of our clients' um,
0: sons and daughters are actually have degrees, commerce degrees. Absolutely. You know, so it, it is a different
1: world. Yeah. But, they, but they do want, they still want something that's fairly easy to use, and they want something they can buy and anyone in the family can use even members of the family who haven't got degrees yet.
0: And I think this is one other thing. The, the idea that your financial application is also a communication tool. You're saying that you wrote it for yourself, but essentially it was part of a bigger ecosystem. You weren't the only user of this application, even though you wrote it for you. How do you write software or reports that make it uh, accessible to people beyond yourself?
1: You wait for people to ring it and tell you what's wrong with it. Yeah. They won't tell you how to fix it, but they tell you what's wrong with it.
0: I remember you once <laughs> said that um, you used to go to you know, clients and advisors and accountants and say, what do you want? And it used to be pretty much what they already had. So you used to, is it true, you used to just write stuff. And then people used to go, oh, I like that or I don't like
1: Yes, I think no one really knew what they wanted, possibly because they didn't know what was possible. Because I was an amateur programmer and without training, I didn't know what was impossible. And that was probably, again, a big advantage. No one was there to tell me it can't be done. My training and my education didn't tell me it couldn't be done. My life experience told me that everything can be done. So when a client said, well, look, this report's no good, or an accountant said, this report's no good for our purposes, I would go to him and say, draw me a picture of what what it should look like. That's all the detail I want. Draw me a picture of what it should look like and what information should be on it. They do that, I take it away, and it would become part of the program. I take it to them, get them to test it, and then eventually we'd come up with something that was acceptable.
0: So, it's interesting. Uh, probably one of the better examples of that is we've got a profit-loss report in Agrimaster a lot like everybody else. Which Agrimaster, funnily enough, didn't have for a long, long time, because we weren't an accounting program. And to illustrate your point, the, our profit-loss report finishes like most profit-loss reports for the profit-loss again, the but then it continues, and then it has other income in and out. It has drawings, it has the speedboat you just spent on, and the kids' school fees, and. So, and that was actually an accountant from um, Queensland. He said, my clients can't understand the P&L. They want to know where all the money's gone. So, <laughs> so, so, that profit and loss report was written to say, yes, this is technically your profit and loss, but this is where your money went after that.
1: Well, we had, we had a lot of trouble with the profit and loss report. Accountants, mostly eastern states accountants, said, I can't use it, it hasn't got a profit P&L. And we would say, okay, design me a pendulum, tell me what information you want in it, and we'll sort it for you. No reply. This went on, I think, probably without exaggeration, for 10 to 15 years. Mm. And when someone did reply, then we did something about it. I
0: think this is one of the things questioning's extended. So everyone goes, well, this is just the way it's done. And from what I noticed, you'd go, well, why?
1: Mm, That's right. (laughs) I mean, we, we had to find a use for something before we take the trouble to, to include in the program. Uh, no farmer ever asked me for a profit and loss. No. So it wasn't something we put in. Well, I
0: think most small businesses still wouldn't ask for a
1: profit and loss. Yeah. It, it, so when accountants asked for it, we said, well, look, fair enough. We, but you, you have to design it for us. We don't know understand these things. Yeah. And, and when, they, when they wouldn't take that trouble, we knew that they, they didn't regard it as very important. It was just they were just reacting to the fact that here was an accounting so-called accounting program. They didn't have a PML. How can it be any good? Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: But essentially, that's not from what, that's not what you wrote. It. So you wrote it for farm management. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Always. It was the accounting part came later when. The first people on board, of course, were the consultants. Once you're talking about Peter Faulkner from day one, he did a bit of uh, writing of of, uh, programs himself. So he was interested. He was a hobbyist as well as interested in us. He followed Agrimaster and used Agrimaster right from day one. Peter probably was our greatest um, booster the whole whole period of time that we were both in business. Um, Then there was Bob Hall later on. Uh, and he went wholesale with his whole consulting group. So they, they were, first of all, because they were basically doing the same thing. Their, their main focus was budgeting and that they'd prepare budgets for farmers. And if they could prepare the budget on the same program in their office as the farmer used in his office, that was a very great advantage. And they could see that the farmers were using AgriMaster. They used AgriMaster. It was a two-way fee consultants promoted the program for farmers and p- pro farmers promoted the program to the consultants
0: and, and bob was very big and so was peter and john Abbey, who was peter, mm. our business partner um and the the importance when when you did put a cash book in essentially to keep accounts that you had this multi-level coding you could record enterprises and allocations and descriptions and quantities and all and those consultants, even though their primary task was budgeting, they, for them that was a massive breakthrough. Having, so can you talk about how that came about? Because they talk a lot about how important that multi-level coding was to them.
1: Well, it comes down to a very important factor of knowing where your money's gone. Uh, a story I have told probably many times, but from the very early days, there was a uh, uh, consultant, Katanning, uh, I remember, mostly, because he never changed to Agrimaster 2 or Agrimaster 3, Agrimaster 4. He only ever used Agrimaster 1.
0: Right up until the day he died. Right up until the very last Agrimaster 1. He, he maintained it yeah. for 30 years. Yes.
1: And he said to me, he said, you know why I love this program? He said, a farming couple came into my office one day and said, we don't understand where the money's gone. And they were Agrimaster users. But they had filled their cash book out correctly and they had coded it correctly, and they have allocated it, and everything like that. So he got on the computer, pulled up a report, and printed it out. And when, and when, from the old Doc Max printers, when the paper trail led all the way to his office door, he said, this is your personal expenses. That's where the money's gone. <laughs> and I think right up this day, when
0: we're setting people up, it's one of the most important allocations to set up is personal drawing. Yes. It's
1: amazing how much can go down that hole. It, it can go down. And then we, then it went in stages. We went from <coughs> uh, coding, of course, when you had drawings and every went in. They went to allocations, perhaps to each member or to each type of drawings. Uh, this probably produced as many divorces as the saved. <laughs> uh, and, and, and you'll see people starting off putting uh, every detail in, who spent the money and why. And very soon, just to save family life, they cut that back <laughs> and just put in the essential bitch because you can go overboard with these things.
0: I can remember when I, um, I, uh, did, uh, I worked for Peter and Plan Farm when I was at university for six months, and I used to have to do the books for clients on AgriMaster. And I had this one client who had every code, and he had codes of internal and external parasites. And then I had to break down <laughs> each particular chemical, depending on whether it was an internal or an external parasite chemical. So some people really went to town on me. Well, they
1: do. And, and, and this is the trap and the beauty of computers, that if you need that information, it can be got, it can be, can be, categorized. If you don't need that information, um, it's best left.
0: And, and this is, let's demystify computing a bit. So whenever I've done workshops over the last 20 odd years, I've said that there's nothing AgriMaster can't do that you can't do, essentially, with a pencil and a calculator, or even no calculator. There's, there's no magic here. But if you want to do it the hard way, go ahead. So essentially, software is just automating an existing manual task, really. It's
1: a tool. Yeah. It's like a pencil. It's a tool. Uh, And like a pencil or any other tool, you use it um, with discretion, carefully. Don't overburden yourself with too much work. You decide what you need to know to run your business and your family, in this case, because we're dealing mostly with family farmers. You record that information, categorise that information, but don't go beyond that.
0: So what you're saying is record everything that's materially important to both your business and your family, but don't run down and get caught in the weeds of having to know internal external parasites no. or the, the cost of each nut
1: on the header. or...? That's right, yes. I, th- I think it's very important because computers can, um, a- and they did, I mean, I've been caught in this trap myself, uh, designing worksheets for the budget. When Agrimaster 4 came out, there was a large number of possibilities, much greater possibilities to do things with, with worksheets. Uh, I went overboard, making them too detailed. You, you could um, you could divide a paddock up. You could s- separate into different crops, different chemicals, and different things. Too much information, and too complicated to maintain. And so we cut that very very quickly. We cut that back to much simpler worksheets. Those others were still there, and, and you could use them, but they were not recommended.
0: And you would have had clients, like we do today, very much on the spectrum, people who want no detail and people who want an immense amount of detail. So you would have had pressure from both sides. And you had
1: those from everywhere, yeah. And and I I think that too much detail trap is in some ways um, worse than not enough detail in some respects because it, it takes up too much time to get it accurate. And if it's not accurate, it's useless. Uh, and and this, is, this is very important.
0: And, and this is actually one of the reasons, interesting, you never went into... I remember we had a software applications I grew up my whole life with computers in my house, or most of my memorable life, I suppose since I was 10, but we never did for production management. We always had a red ledger book at the end of the table, and you and you resisted going into production management. And you and always say that was one of the main reasons, isn't it?
1: Well, yes, no, it's... It's a matter of rules. I did I, the only one I ever did was it was a, a sheep management, uh, working out automatically calculating um, dry tree equivalents and stocking rates, and and, and that worked. Um, and you shifted sheep from from one paddock to another and all those sort of things. But when it comes to physical management of the farm, non-financial, there are no rules in accounting and in budgeting and all those things. First we have the bank on your back. Yeah. They set down certain rules of how, how they want their budget presented. Then we get into accounting. Right, you're going to send your reports off the accountant. He has rules. And you've got to have a certain, certain amount of accuracy and a certain amount of detail. Then all of a sudden you've got the te- ATO, the tax man, on your back. And then later on with the GST, the whole world changed and they were on your back. So. All these people laid down rules so you could find yourself within those rules, within the subset that agriculture demanded. We didn't, to, we didn't have to program for the whole world just for the agricultural subset. So
0: every generation has farm succession. In farm succession, one of the things is taking on the farm books and and managing it correctly. Have you got any advice for uh, farmers of my age, of your age, of whatever age, handing over the books to the next generation?
1: Very difficult. (laughs) Uh, I I think the problem is the next generation may or may not be interested in that side of the farm business Uh, like you say um, they want to drive the tractors they want to do do all those things interesting bits i think i found i don't know whether it's still true that a lot lot of young farmers coming home they'd get married and and as their new wives who would who would look after the financial manager they Mm. definitely they definitely would enter the cash book the budgeting may have been done by that young farmer, or it might have been done in conjunction with both. But I found in many cases that um, it was young ladies coming home. They wanted something to do, apart from washing dishes or whatever they went to. Uh, so they, they took over the farm, the office. And, and this is very true in our case. When, when I wrote uh, AgriMaster 4, I stopped working on everything, the farm, physical and, and, and financial. Uh, you two boys did the farm. Uh, your mother, my wife Mary, uh, took over Agda Marshall and did all the recording, and, yeah. and, and to this still does to this day. Yeah, I do the basically, she, she does the cash book. Yeah, nothing that, has changed. And
0: that's very typical. And a lot of our our clients are very much partnerships. So there's this stereotype of probably my age group, maybe and your age group, where the 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 wives were. Uh, marrying to the family and they wanted to become part of the business and yeah, would take right, on yeah. the books and, and these days also they're turning up with probably 10- year career in the city somewhere and, and multiple degrees in some cases. Yeah. so they're bringing a lot of you know but in, but in large, I think where they're still running the business as such of farming. Yeah. Well
1: they're, they're bringing a lot of experience and, and uh, even in business they didn't bring discipline to the job. Uh, which a, a young farmer, if he's spending 12, 15 hours a day on the tractor, is not going to be too enthusiastic about keeping the cash book up to date until after the end of harvest or the end yeah. of robbing. Uh So if, if he has a wife who, who, who has an education, has had experience in business, or even without it, who's prepared to take over all those functions, uh, that, that to me is a perfect solution. Uh, because even though the young farmer himself is not there, on a day-to-day basis doing that he's in day-to-day contact with the people who are doing it so i've got to ask
0: while we're talking about education so everybody would probably assume that you got into software that you that you probably left uni and you had a degree and everything but
1: so what was your actual education well i spent eight years at boarding school um, i don't think i i started anything i, I, I scraped through anything that most think i was probably lazy um <laughs> I think I didn't have any sort of tertiary education whatsoever. Uh, I went straight back in the farm. I spent two years in Central New South Wales as a jackaroo, uh, which is a whole education in itself. Um, well, I, I learnt then that Western Australian farming is, is even at that time, uh, back back in the um, in the early sixties, was um, late fifties, early sixties, was. Technically, technology was ahead of anything that was going on over east.
0: And that was more, do you think, necessity, you know, the West Australian farming? Oh, know, I think
1: so, yes. I, I think uh, uh, pioneering farmers always always do what ha- there has to be done, but not much extra. There's not, there's not too much um, uh, tradition amongst it. It was mainly just hard, hard work and graft and getting the job done.
0: And I think West Australia, we never had the luxury of either rainfall
1: or soil. And, <laughs> no, we didn't have that. But also we had one great advantage and we, never, we had, didn't have the burden of history. Mm. And that I think that was the important thing and you'll find this probably in any pioneering area. Yeah. Uh,
0: but it's a good lesson really for anyone, really, isn't it? And I think, you know, and I think I can speak for myself, but anyone taking... So if you're coming into a, farmly, family, a farm business these days, by and large, you're going to be taking over... a a long-standing family enterprise and that does come with even if they're not spoken some
1: unspoken expectation isn't it and and that's why i call the burden of history and the difficulty is sorting out which parts of it to keep Mm. always i I was never one much for tradition i I came from a a long um, length of farmers who were progressive my grandfather who i never knew very well but i heard stories about was one of the first to use phosphate fertilisers. And having a field day, probably well before I was born, uh, on his place, everyone said, well, look, there's no grass anywhere where you put the fertiliser, but there's plenty where you didn't. He said, yes, because that's the only stuff the sheep will eat. (laughs) Uh, So it was was, uh, having an attitude that the obvious wasn't necessarily the correct answer.
0: And I think that's the thing. You didn't have a, you say, a tertiary education, but you're thinking like, and this is the importance of, I suppose, at-home education, your grandfather, your father, these, you had an education in questioning everything. Well, this is of the
1: advantage of the kitchen table, of course, in farming. Everyone's around the kitchen table and you're talking farming all the time. Uh, I mean, from a very young, young age, this stuff must seep in. I think you probably seeped into you and Robert, mm. uh, because we did exactly the same things. So, uh, well, there's a lot of blood spilt over our kitchen table. From memory. Yeah, it, a lot of robust conversation. A very robust exchange of views <laughs> is the correct
0: term. I think, <laughs> I, I think our family used to disagree on principle just so we could have an argument.
1: Well, uh, this, this comes from my father. I don't know how much further it goes back. But he, he could easily, if he found himself on the winning side of his discussion, would change signs immediately, <laughs> just to make sure that all views were presented. And,
0: and I think this is, this is rigour of, and we're going back to these the lessons for anyone, is is have these conversations over the kitchen table, like talk about money, talk about the debt, talk about the books, talk about the budget actual. I remember, like many kitchen tables around Australia, we had, um, you know, all the the, the receipts and payments and the budget actual reports were always on the kitchen table
1: no i I think it's very important because everyone knows what the problems are everyone knows when the bad times are coming good times are coming uh they can all put their tea bobsworth in they might not get listened to but at least they have their say and they're learning mostly they're learning that Life's not always a bowl of cherries. Yeah. And there are other things we have to consider apart from going out and, and buying a brand new tractor.
0: I think you gave me and my brother enough rope to hang ourselves at some point, you
1: know. Like. <laughs> is is debt a good teacher? Yes. <laughs> it is. You, you can only learn most things by, by making mistakes. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for every mistake I've made, and uh, they are endless. I remember them all. I hope I've learnt from most of them.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, there's a good point. So, 80 years on, oh not 80 years on. 40 years on, you're not that old. Um, 40 years on, you know, you're sitting. We're sitting in the Agrimaster offices at the moment in a room that's named after you. You've got many thousands of clients across Australia with Agrimaster. We have a large team here. You have, I think, there's seven plus people on the software team that. Right, essentially, what you used to do in your little farm office, sitting back in 1981, 82, could have you had imagined sitting here doing
1: this? No. Someone asked me once if this was going anywhere. I think they were trying to tell me really it was uh, time I gave up and went back to my day job. And I said, well, I've got a 50% chance of covering my costs. I've got a 75% chance, perhaps not a 60% chance of covering a little bit of my time, because it was all, mostly up until 1995 at least, was all done at night. And a 5% chance of making enough money out of to make it worthwhile. What we see today here with what you and Natalie have done, that would have been in the 1% chance bucket. The 5% we saw when the GST came in, uh, that that, that was the second thing after IBM that changed the world. Uh, it was a massive change and as, as IBM coming out it was a massive change and uh, the GST provided problems but I'd had a great deal of experience with the New Zealand version previously so mm-hmm. I knew where we were going there was a rumor in 1995 when Windows 3 came out with a graphical interface and the rumor came down through the grapevine and at this point there were still lots of programs in the market and the rumor came down saying well this is the end of Kent. He's had a good run, but he'll never be able to transfer to uh, Windows 3 and new, and new programming. I heard this rumour, and uh, probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Any <laughs> time I uh, decided I needed some help, I went off and got two years, two weeks of education up in Perth. I'd never seen a Windows computer when I walked into that classroom. I'd never seen the programming language, which I wrote master 4 in. Uh, I went into a room full of... 20 to 40-year-olds who had all, all been using computers and Windows ever since it had come out. And they'd already done some programming. They were just there to learn a few of the finer So boards. how
0: old would have you been at this point?
1: Well, this is uh, 1995, so I, I would have had to be, uh, what, 55, 56, 57, and something, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I was only a youngster that, that Young <laughs> But I surprised them myself. I kept up with all of them. Uh, they kept on leading over and saying, did you get that? Are you managing? And I said, yeah, fine. <laughs> um, I'd never slept so well in my life, but that that was the only time I had a formal uh, lessons in, in what I did. Uh, it would have been nice to have more, but once I was on the treadmill of uh, keeping AgriMaster alive, uh, there was no time.
0: Yeah, so AgriMaster 4 was technically the first... Program that you wrote as a professional software developer, not at night when you weren't. Um. No, that's
1: right. I, I, I made, at the same time, I made a, a, a rule which I've kept to this day, that I'd never touch a computer or make the business decisions after six o'clock at night.
0: Yeah, uh, but, but, and, but that and doesn't, and doesn't count. To, to, that and it doesn't count to three o'clock in the morning though. I, I
1: Yes, but that's possible. But
0: um, <laughs> So uh, yeah. I think I'd better tell people listening as I often used to wake up in the middle of the night oh, yes, and, then, and then Dad would be in his office writing code at 3am. That
1: still happens to this day. <laughs> yes. um, but um, yes, uh, it, 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 the timing was good because we had the two boys home at the farm. Uh, Mary Mary's used to handle the administration, so she took it to that very easily. Um, I went full-time programming. Interesting times. Uh, from then until after the GST came out, that that five-year period um, was the biggest learning curve I think in my life because everything was completely different. So
0: essentially, by the time you know Nat and I took you know we merged our training company and your software company together and we started Agrimaster as we know it today, um, I, I really didn't. You never know how old your parents were, and you don't really pay much attention, really. Um, but you would have been, by the time Nat and I took it on, you would have been probably 60, 61 probably?
1: Well, no, 60 in 2002. Um, we, we moved to Perth at the end of 2000. So we, You came two, three or four months later on. Yep, you moved so on we started region. AgriMaster you in,
0: two? I think we launched AgriMaster as it is today, the company, in January, 2000, January 1st, 2002.
1: 2002, was it? So your 60th right, yeah. year. Yeah well you came didn't you come to Perth in 2001 Yeah we came to like, Perth in 2001 but we're right. running our training that's company right you had it yes right you're in training and you had your office the back in the in the in, in the in the shed at the back of your house <laughs> Yeah yes that's right um, so yes and they in interesting times because um, mm. not only did we we the GST through that period uh, there's all sorts of other... AWB? Process.
0: Sorry? AWB, um code. The, A- the, A-
1: the, A- the AWB, the combination of the AWB and the GST was the biggest challenge to computing that I've ever faced. Yeah. It, it, it was uh, because no one understood the AWB system. We couldn't get accountants to understand it. I, I spent every time I came to Perth during that time, I would go straight into um, the major rural accounting firm um, CP Bird and Carol Bird Cameron, they probably were by then, and talking to David Neve. And between us, over over many months, we sorted out how to handle the GST. John Stafer, an accountant also, who had one of his clients was a good friend of the chairman of the AWB. So he he started making noises right through that channel. they eventually got back to us and said, um, "We understand there's a problem. What can we do?"
0: I remember Natalie going over there and training their their support team of about thirty how to, um, you know, rewrite the RCTIs so they could yeah. be better understood so by I, clients. So and
1: I think I think that that. The, the, this, this is probably one of our great victories, and the true John Schofer and Natalie, that when we when we explained to them what we wanted in the way of documentation, that we wanted a, a digital um, download as well, um, then everything fell into place. Mm. Without that, it was going to be impossible for consultants or anyone. And farmers certainly had no idea how to handle this. And the I
0: industry. think this is what makes it beauty, like because it's you know Agrimast is so niche, it is. Agricultural financial management software I don't think you get very much niche than that is that your a you at that time or Natalie and I were with you by that point is tackle things like is something as specific as awB recipient credit tax invoice importing absolutely
1: <laughs> because um, this this was an essential service for harmless it's something you couldn't do manually no one understood it so we, we had to break it down to its components parts awB Luckily, came to the party because they could see the problem. I mean, they had clients all over Australia. They had to. Uh, yeah. And, and it turned out, and turned out for the period when it was useful, to be in a very successful um, operation. I, I've got to tell a
0: story that. So at this time, I was farming. You know, I, uh, my brother and I were farming, and 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 Dad was writing software, and and we'd every now and get him to come and help us do drenching. I think we had about twenty thousand merinos at the time, so we'd get you in to come and do a bit of drenching. And uh, I think you used to sort out most of your software problems while drenching
1: sheep. I've done that for 20 years by then, yes. Um, d- drenching sheep is an automatic, time-consuming, no brains required. <laughs> uh, so it gives you plenty of time to think. And uh, I, I always did a lot of thinking in drenching. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, um, it's amazing what you can solve when you just let and sort through your mind when you've us.
0: And I think this is the point, that you, uh, you, you and your legacy with Agrimaster has been incredibly successful, but you're, you're not uncommon in the fact that there's thousands of farmers who are sitting there drenching sheep, driving tractors, um, driving around, checking crops and youths, thinking and solving problems all the time. Apologies, everybody. Uh, we had a technical glitch in our rec- recording cut out very quickly there at the end. I was talking to my father about the thinking that farmers do on-farm on a day-to-day basis and how his journey in the context of him developing things is not that unusual. Um, The story I was um, recalling was my father used to help me a lot with um, drenching sheep. We had a lot of sheep and we used to get up early in the morning at about 4 or 5am and then drench until the heat of the day because we used to do summer drenching back then. And every now and then he would just stop and suddenly go, oh, I've got it. Um, and that's means he'd been thinking about his software development um, challenges all morning while drenching sheep and, uh, and he'd suddenly worked out how to solve that particular problem. And he was saying that um, this is where he solved his problems. He had the time while doing monotonous tasks to work through a lot of problems and he is not unusual. There is a lot of farmers out there all over Australia, all over the world, sitting, drenching sheep, um, sitting in tractors, driving sprayers, mustering on the back of um, horses or motorbikes, who uh, have got a lot of, they're doing a long, mundane task, um, and they're thinking about these problems, which is why I believe you get so much great innovation in agriculture. Um, because people have time to think and it's probably the one thing I miss from moving to the city and an urban type business is you miss that my father calls it drenching time and in my father's case that time to think gave birth to what became AgriMaster and the 40-year journey you've just heard about but in other cases there's many other great innovations out there who've been born from this time to think so let's just celebrate although farmers have a lot of time to themselves and a lot of mundane time. It's an incredible opportunity for innovation and I look forward to seeing much more of it into the future. So that'll wrap up this podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting the insights from my father and um, I look forward to talking to you next time on the next episode of Boots Off Log On. Thank you. As always, if you'd like to know more about Agrimaster farm business management software and services, you can find us at www.agrimaster.com.au or find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. If you like this episode, please share it on social media or directly with a friend. And let's make farm business
1: great together.